My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 193 of The Kate Show. I hope your 2022 is off to a great start, and I want to really focus this first part of the year on planning content because that seems to be a big struggle. I know it was a struggle for me for a long time, and I'll kind of get into that, but There is so much ease and stress reduction that happens around planning out your marketing. I mean, wouldn't marketing be easier if you just knew what to say ahead of time? Planning your marketing in advance is smart for a couple reasons, because first, it lets you kind of marinate on the topics ahead of time and avoid writer's block when it comes time to actually create the thing. And second, it allows you to batch create content, which means instead of every single month being like, oh... I've got to sit down and plan out my social media. I've got to sit down and plan out my blogging, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. You could actually know ahead of time what you're going to say, so maybe you don't batch create it all at once, but you at least know what to say. Or, as it strikes you early in the year like this, you might be like, you know what, I'm going to create three or four months worth of marketing content so that I don't have to think about it for a whole quarter. I mean, that would be amazing. Now, I've tried making up my marketing as I go, and I have spent a lot of time staring at a blank screen and scrolling Instagram for ideas, air quotes around ideas, because I'm really just procrastinating. And to prevent this, I keep my business goals ever present in my brain, like right there. Like, what do I want to grow in my business this year? Yeah, we all want to make more money, but how do we want to make that money? How do we want to be spending our time? Are there products we're going to launch? Are there services we want to offer? Are there services we don't want to offer anymore? You have to have your goals in mind. And then you can keep really your ideal client in mind and then build out specific marketing topics or content from there. So I've adapted the process my agency uses for content planning into something that makes sense for home professionals like you if you want to implement it. So if you're looking for a cohesive, professional way to create marketing content for your business, whether you do interior design, staging, organizing, or window treatments, then you need to hear this episode. Now, before we get into that, guys, I want to thank today's sponsor, HoneyBook. You guys have heard me talk about them so much lately, but I have really been loving them, and I have a discount code for you if you want to get 50% off. That's 5-0. off your entire first year with them. Head over to honeybook.com, use the code socialite, or if you want, you can click the link in the show notes for this episode, which will take you right to my specific landing page. Yeah, I do earn a little bit of a commission every time you guys sign up, but you also save 50%, which is something that HoneyBook itself doesn't offer. They only offer that discount through people like me or Jenna Kutcher or Lindsay Roman because they they know how to promote their affiliates and they're pretty darn amazing. So if you ever get contacted by them to join their affiliate program, that is actually one affiliate program I do highly recommend. Uh, I think it's by invitation only though. So regardless, check out HoneyBook. I love using them, and a lot of you who have signed up have told me that you also love using them. It's beautiful, it's a great way to really automate your client workflow process, and I highly recommend it. All right, now on to today's episode, how to plan your newsletters and blog posts for the entire year. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. 
If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Before you can make a list of what to say in your marketing, before you can actually plan out what you want to say for the entire year, you need to answer two questions. The first one is, who are you talking to? The second one is, how do you want to serve them? Now, obviously, the short answer is that you're going to be speaking to your ideal client, but the long answer is, well, longer. If you know to whom you're speaking, you're going to adjust your language and your topic choices accordingly. For example, you wouldn't exactly use the same statements and phrases when speaking to your spouse as you would to your child, especially if you have like a toddler or something. As an intelligent human being, you are already naturally adapting your communication to fit the audience. And now it's time to do that same thing in your business. If your goal is to sell more of a certain service, you need to consider a few different modes of thought. How does this service help my ideal client when it's all said and done? Like, what will change in their life as a result of this service? And also, what situation would make someone contact me for this service? Now, there could be multiple scenarios that drive the client to you. Even if the client doesn't understand your services or the benefits of the service yet, they just come to you with a pain point and they're like, help me. And then you tell them, well, actually, you are a good fit for this service. Clients are driven by problems. You need to be driven by solutions because their problems stem from unmet needs or unfulfilled desires. And your service packages can be the direct cure for those ailments. You also need to think about who is not a good fit for my service. You might sort people based on the minimum cost of providing the service, so their budget, or you might sort people based on location. Like if they're three hours away from you, are you going to go? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Create a list of no-go qualifications. That way you don't have to struggle to figure out, should I take on this client? Will all the time on the road actually detract from the family time that I was hoping to have because I have my own business? Is it going to detract from the more local clients that I could be serving? Or is this a really big client with a ton of opportunity and I just want to go for it? Only you can answer those questions. There's really no right or wrong. And the other thing you need to think about is, is this service enjoyable for me to provide? Would I be happy offering primarily this service for the next 12 months? You get what you ask for, so make sure you aren't asking for something that you don't really want. And on that note, Please keep in mind, I'm referring to a singular service. I'm not referring to like 12 services. In fact, if you're offering more than three services, I would say you got to dial that down, girl, because the more services you have, the more sales funnels you need to have and like the more ideal clients you potentially have, meaning different types of clients. And that can become such a marketing burden. It can also start to confuse your potential clients because you might have packages that look like duplicates of each other, but just named something different. I see this a lot, honestly, among interior designers. They might have a consultation package for color and a consultation package for floor plans or something. And it's like, just call all of it a consultation package, make it one package. Otherwise, if you confuse people, they will not buy. They just won't. They won't even take the next step toward a discovery call because they'll be like, this person's already confusing me and I'm not even working with them yet. So just make sure you're not offering too many services because otherwise you're just going to make life difficult for yourself. Now, you need to map out where your client is consuming information because obviously you want to focus your marketing efforts where those clients are already like densely populating the area. So you need to think about a few things here. Do your clients use social media? 
You can think about your past clients if you have any of those. And think about, did they follow you before hiring you or did they follow you after they hired you because they wanted to see pictures of their own project on your feed? Now, I can tell you from working with a lot of people in the home industry, it's usually the latter. Uh, that means social media is a great place to nurture relationships with existing and past clients, but it's not exactly the best place to gain new clients. And a lot of people are so surprised when I say that, but the proof is in the pudding, to use that cliche. Uh, it's true. There are a lot of homeowners who do not use social media as a way to find their next high-end home professional, but if they find out, oh, this designer that I love who's working at my house actually has an Instagram account, and she asked if she could share photos of my project, I'm going to go follow her because I want to see those photos and maybe share them with my friends, or maybe I just like seeing photos of my own house, maybe I'm in the photo, I kind of want to see it. You know, So it's kind of like a self-centered approach on their part, but that's okay. Just understand that if that's how your clients behave, if they're following you after they hire you, don't expect to get new clients off social media. Don't hyper-focus on social media. Instead, you should just post photos of yourself and your work once or twice a week and leave it at that. You don't have to live on your stories. You don't have to create reels unless you enjoy those things. But otherwise, guys, there are much more lucrative aspects of marketing that need your attention, not social. All right, so another thing you need to figure out is, do your best clients come to you via word of mouth referral? This is most often the case with high-end home services. And the cool thing is email marketing will increase those referrals. So plan to send one email per month to your past clients and your leads, knowing they're likely going to forward that email to their own social circles, hence why word of mouth works so well via email. The other thing that you need to figure out is, do you want to increase traffic to your website? Do you want to improve your SEO so that you can connect with cold leads that are high quality who find you by doing their own research? Well, if you do, blogging is a great solution for this. Plan to write one or two blog posts per month. Lastly, don't forget the old-fashioned marketing efforts that happen offline. Do your ideal clients belong to a housing association, a social club, or a networking group? Get connected with that organization as a guest speaker or an event host or something similar, but avoid basic sponsorships because nobody is going to get value out of seeing your logo plastered alongside dozens of other sponsors' logos. Um, I know that there are a lot of organizations out there that will say, oh, this is a great advertising opportunity for you. Just pay us $2,000 and we'll put your logo in the sponsor list or on the sponsor wall. But guys, that doesn't help anyone because there's no call to action. There's no connection. So it's better to be a guest speaker. It's better to physically get in front of people in any way that you can. All right, so let's talk about the actual content because that's why you're listening to this episode, right? We're going to start with newsletters. I'm going to give you 12 newsletter topics that are suited to the home industry. These topics work well as newsletters instead of blog posts because content can be shorter in a newsletter, like three to 400 words, and you won't feel pressured to add a fluff to make it a full-length blog post because blog posts need to be 500 to 1,500 words huge size difference. The topics I'm about to share with you cover questions that people would likely email you about anyway, so it just makes sense to email them about it. Now, you can certainly rearrange or modify these topics according to your ideal client and your business goals, but I'm just going to give you these as a starting point. All right, so the first topic is a past project highlight. 
This should align with the service you're promoting and include a call to action that lets readers book a discovery call to discuss that service. The second one is tips on what to expect. So this should align with the service you want to sell and it should focus on educating the reader and helping them set realistic expectations around your process, your timeline, and budget considerations. Number three, bust some myths about your industry. This is your chance to clear up misinformation about design fees, about why staging matters, and how organizers handle their clients' homes. Number four, you can do a behind-the-scenes story. So rather than sharing a very overused how-to-arrange-your-coffee-table topic, which is far too DIY and will not resonate with a high-end client anyway, take your readers behind the scenes of a project or an aspect of a project and share the challenges, the pain points, and how you resolved them as a professional. Number five, the seasonal survival guide. This newsletter should be sent a month before the holiday or season in question and should guide your reader on how to prep for something like the new school year or for holiday guests or what have you. Number six goes along with this, but it's just even simpler, seasonal greetings. Now this topic is not meant to sell or educate or even inspire. It's meant as a friendly holiday card from you to your reader and it should be sent around or on the exact day of the holiday. Share your favorite holiday recipe or your traditions and wish them well. Your readers will not want to be sold to during a major holiday anyway. They're busy just like you are. Number seven, highlight your flagship service. Yes, you can talk directly about your services without being salesy. Focus on one service per newsletter, explain every step, include photos of past projects that use this service, or stock photos if you don't have your own images, and be sure to mention how your client will feel before, during, and after that service is rendered. So maybe before they feel overwhelmed, maybe during they start to feel confident, and by the end they feel really relaxed. They feel joy and peace because the project is done and it was done well. Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by your website. Wait, what? Is this right? Yes. Your website emailed The Kate Show and did it by itself, by the way, okay? And like asked me to tell you something. Your website said it really needs a tune-up, maybe even a complete makeover. It feels bad that it can't send you more clients and it wants to make it right with you. Oh, poor website. Seriously, though, if you're ready for your website to make you look professional and attract the right clients, you need to take action. Go to katethesocialite.com to check out our beautiful website templates. They're really easy to customize, and we even tell you exactly what you should say on each page of your website so that you can start speaking directly to your ideal client while also having better SEO. Go to katethesocialite.com to pick the website design that's right for you. Number eight, share a story from your life. You are comprised of a hundred stories that have made you who you are today, and stories resonate deeply with readers. Share how you overcame the hardest moment of your life and what you learned from it and how it shaped who you are today. Maybe you went through a rough divorce. You don't need to air the dirty laundry, but you can explain how you felt during the situation and what you learned and how it has made you really strong and how you've been able to still raise your kids. I mean, those things are very inspiring. Maybe you had a really serious illness. Maybe you're still struggling with a serious illness. Maybe you came from a rough childhood. Uh, as long as you can speak about these things from a positive perspective and an inspiring perspective, it's completely okay to share. 
Number nine, answer the frequently asked questions or the FAQs. If you are repeatedly asked the same question by leads or clients, list a few of those questions in a newsletter and answer them. Now, if you're new in business and you haven't gotten any frequently asked questions yet, come up with a few questions you think people might ask regarding you or your services or your industry. It's okay to be creative here. Number 10, share a pricing estimator. This one is huge. Everyone likes to calculate their costs and you can give them a starting at or a ballpark price based on the different services you offer. If you're a designer, you could say a partial kitchen renovation starts at X amount, a full kitchen renovation starts at X amount. Now, obviously they're not gonna hold you to these prices and you can add a line in your newsletter that says, these are ballpark numbers, these are estimates to help you with your own planning and to prevent sticker shock. And the good thing is people who thought they were gonna renovate their kitchen for 10 grand will be like, oh, <laughs> reality check. And that means you will not have to get on the phone with them and have them completely waste your time. But you could also share a price for your consultation package, which is going to be a lot more affordable. It's under $1,000. You're gonna provide a ton of value, and that is a great place for people to start regardless. Number 11, talk about the dated trends. While everyone else is talking about what's trending in the home industry, be the one who sheds light on what isn't trending anymore. Is shiplap in or is it out? Are all white kitchens in or out? Focus on the old trends so that you can help people realize what they need to get rid of or replace in their homes. It's actually a really great strategy to say, hey, let me point out a few issues for you. And then people will be like, oh, oh my gosh, I have that in my home. No wonder I've been feeling like it's a little cringy these days. And then you're really just showing them the need for your services. Number 12, talk about a specific problem. Does your ideal client struggle with mom life and staying organized, for example? Well, create a newsletter about the best mom tips for staying organized in a chaotic home. Specificity sells, and it also makes your ideal client feel seen and heard, and that is a recipe for a new client in the making. Now, a couple best practices here I wanna go over with you. The length of your newsletter. Again, newsletters should be short and sweet, around 400 words. You can include up to five images, as well as a photo of yourself. So really, I guess six images would be okay as long as they're not huge. At the end of every newsletter, tell readers where they need to click to contact you. So do they click a button to book a discovery call? Do they click a button to fill out your contact form? Do they just click reply to get in touch with you? Tell them what to do next. It's so important. The frequency of your newsletter also matters. Send a newsletter no less than once per month and no more than twice per month. Don't resend your newsletter to people who didn't open it the first time because that will really irritate the heck out of someone and they'll just unsubscribe. Now, your open rate should be at least 20%, and you're gonna need to wait until about a week after your newsletter is sent in order to have an accurate open rate. So if you send a newsletter today, and then you check the open rate tomorrow, that's not the final open rate. You've gotta give it a few more days. And also, let's talk about your mailing list, because I get so many questions about mailing lists. Export any of your current contacts from your billing software, so that could be QuickBooks, Wave, HoneyBook, whatever, or you could export them from your email account. Maybe you use Gmail or Outlook. And then also, 
use a lead magnet on your website to gain even more new contacts. But word of caution here, don't add people to your list unless they know you. Now, if you're using a lead magnet, that's how people who don't know you can safely add themselves by signing up. By the way, guys, the size of your mailing list does not matter. You are the only one who knows how large or small it is. Even if you have only 12 contacts, you can still gain new projects from your mailing list, especially since your contacts will likely forward your newsletters to their friends or family. We see this happen all the time. All right, switching gears a little bit here, let's talk about blogging. Blog posts by nature are longer, like I said earlier, so they're like 500 to 1500 words, and they can contain a lot more images than a newsletter can. Because of this, blog post topics are meatier and more detailed. And because they are meant for SEO, so blogging is for SEO, at the beginning of your sales funnel, it's meant to attract complete strangers, and by the very nature of that, they have to be more informative. Newsletters, on the other hand, are for people at the end of your sales funnel. They are already one of your contacts via a lead magnet, past project, or past inquiry, and they need a shorter, more concise piece of information than a blog post. So there, there's a big difference between newsletters and blog posts. You might be able to flesh out a newsletter topic and turn it into a proper blog post, but you will need to flex your creative muscles. Merely putting a newsletter on your website and calling it a blog will do nothing to help your business, and it will not help your SEO. A blog is a blog, and a newsletter is a newsletter. Now, if you want to expand a newsletter into a blog post, here is what you would need to do for each of the topics I already mentioned. So now we're going to take those newsletter topics and turn them into blog posts. Number one, the past project highlight. Now, you can include as many photos from the project as you want, including before and after, construction images, whatever you want. Add a paragraph under each image explaining what was happening in that photo. Number two, tips on what to expect. You can educate your reader and help them set a realistic expectation around your process, your timeline, your budget, but break your blog post into sections so you can expand on the expectations for each service you're promoting. So if you have three services, you can talk about all three of them in their own section in the blog post. Unlike a newsletter, you don't have to talk about just one service. Now this is excellent because this type of blog post creates long tail keywords and really helps to amp up your search engine optimization. Number three, busting myths about your industry. You can list every lie, every myth, every piece of misinformation that bothers you about your industry or your business model. When someone searches those myths, probably to verify their accuracy, your blog post will be more likely to appear in the search results, allowing you to set the record straight and possibly even win a new lead. Genius, right? Behind the scenes, number four, how-to style blog posts are great for SEO, but that doesn't mean you should write a post about how to arrange your coffee table or how to style a bookshelf. There are literally millions of posts about that. Instead, take your readers behind the scenes of a project and then share the challenges, the pain points, and how you resolved them. Your title could be something like how to easily transform your dated listing with a professional home stager. It's still a how-to, but it's not an overused DIY. Number five, the seasonal survival guide. Seasonal blog posts should be published two to six weeks before the holiday or the season in question and should guide your reader on how to prepare for something. This might look like 
a Christmas gift guide, or a designer's take on spring decorating, or an organizer's list of spring cleaning secrets. Number six, seasonal greetings. You can share your favorite holiday tradition or memory and include family photos. This is a great way to become memorable to your readers. Personal topics like this will almost always rank higher than all other content you create. But of course, you can't make all your content personal because you are running a business. Number seven, highlight your flagship service. Explain why you've chosen to specialize in a specific service or a specific type of client. What led you to make that decision to niche down and scale up? Leads will be interested in your story because it will show them whether you're well-suited to their needs. But don't worry about impressing them. Just be yourself. Be sure to mention how your client will feel before, during, and after the service is rendered. Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, you have to paint an emotional picture. Number eight, share a story from your life. When used as a blog post, this topic can include a more detailed description of your journey, perhaps even a compilation of pivotal moments in your life, versus sharing only one instance in a shorter newsletter. Share the hallmark moments of your life, good, bad, or ugly, to whatever level you are comfortable. Because again, the appropriately timed personal topic does so well. Number nine, answer the FAQs. So compile that list of actual or assumed FAQs regarding your industry and your business. Give full and complete answers. Don't give partial sentences or one-word answers. FAQ-style blog posts are amazing for SEO, but only if you fully answer the question. Number 10, share a pricing estimator. The number of times a Google user searches for a specific type of calculator is wild. Everyone likes to calculate their cost, and you can start giving them the help they need by giving them the starting at or ballpark pricing based on the different services you offer. This doesn't mean you have to share your pricing exactly, but it does mean you get to set a minimum threshold of investment, allowing only the qualified leads to enter your sales funnel. If you're concerned about losing business, by the way, by not serving those with smaller budgets, it's kind of like with the newsletter. Consider offering a consultation package. Your paid consult should be the gateway to all your other services anyway. Number 11, talking about the dated trends. Keep your blog post focused on your niche or your niche. I've really started to say niche lately. I think all you fancy people are rubbing off on me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So if you offer only window treatments, then talk about window treatment styles that are outdated and share a photo of each so that people really understand. Then present a modernized alternative that will stand the test of time and tell readers how to start working with you, such as click here to book a discovery call. Number 12, last one. Talk about a specific problem. You cannot write this blog post unless you know your client. Does your ideal client struggle with feeling confident enough to host a luxurious dinner party that she's only dreamt of? Create a blog post around the best hosting tips for dinner party newbies and highlight the spatial and design needs they should consider prior to hosting. This is all about painting a picture for the client and showing them the solution. They already know what they're suffering from, but you still need to describe it because then they understand that you understand them. Once they feel heard, seen, and understood, they will be captivated by whatever you say next. All right, blogging best practices. There is a lot I could say here, but I've tried to really condense this into three categories, length, frequency, and traffic. The length of your blog post should be a minimum of 500 words, which is a single-spaced Word document or Google document, if you want a visual, 
If your blog post exceeds 1,500 words, consider making it a two-part series. You're not writing a book, for heaven's sake. <laughs> There's no limit on the number of images you can include, but make sure each image is no greater than 2,000 pixels in width or height. Otherwise, it's going to slow down the loading speed of your site and hurt your SEO. Frequency. So you need to commit to blogging once a month. If you can blog twice a month, make sure you space out your posts every two weeks so that every two weeks your site's being updated with new posts. Blogging is a marathon and not a sprint. Expect to blog monthly for about nine months before seeing an increase in website traffic. On the note of traffic, especially when you first start blogging, you'll need to take some extra steps to get eyes on your blog content. Set up Google Search Console so it can routinely index your website. Set up Google Analytics so that you can see which blog posts are bringing in the most traffic and share your blog posts on social media, more than once if possible. Pin each blog post and each image inside each blog post to your business Pinterest account. You only have to do the pinning one time for each post, by the way. Now, I do also recommend creating multiple graphics for each blog post, but I am not going to like burden you guys with all of that right now. Right now, you just need to work on creating the content. But on that note, I do get questions about, well, should I write blog posts first or should I focus on newsletters first? And I'm often asked this from people who don't have a lot of time or they don't have a lot of money to outsource it or both. So while doing both a newsletter and a blog post is the ideal situation, and when combined with a lead magnet and networking, whether online or offline, makes for a solid, complete sales funnel, not everyone can do that right away. So if you can only choose one activity, start with the email newsletter and a lead magnet. Newsletters are faster to create, and if you already have a small list of contacts, they can actually yield a faster return. However, add blogging as soon as you can. It's important for your SEO and for getting new contacts into your mailing list, or really, your sales funnel. Now, I do have some resources for you guys. If you're like, I like these newsletter topics, I don't want to write them like and I would not write them in a million years. Well, I actually have every single one that I described available to you if you become a member at socialitevault.com. We also have blog posts available and they can be written in your own voice and branded for your unique SEO. So you should go check it out at socialitevault.com. All right, guys, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, keep your marketing simple your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.